Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. And He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. 1 Peter 2 and 24 This is the time of year where most of the world is looking forward to Easter. And Easter usually means that people reflect on the day that our Lord was crucified. And that's a good thing, in my opinion, that people are actually thinking about that. I wish they would think about it 364 more days a year. I've heard a lot of sermons preached about the crucifixion, and but I've never heard a sermon on Barabbas. And I would imagine you're probably the same. I, I think it's an interesting point that we can learn from him. And I'm here to correct, at least for the time being, you never hearing a sermon on Barabbas. So a little bit of background, right? Um, if we looked at Luke chapter 23, um, we'll start at verse 13. Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. And behold, having examined him before you, I have found no guilt in this man regarding the charges which you make against him. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us. And behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. Therefore I will punish him and release him. Now he was obliged to release to them at the feast one prisoner. If you drop down to verse 20, Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept on calling out, saying, Crucify, crucify him. And he said to them the third time, Why, what evil has this man done? I have found in him no guilt demanding death. Therefore I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent, with loud voices asking that he be crucified, and their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand be granted. Luke does a very good job, in my opinion, of making the point that Pilate was actually trying to find a way to release Jesus because he had found nothing worthy of death. And Pilate, towards the end of our reading in Luke, remembered, hey, I always release one prisoner. Now, usually that was, you know, some sort of political prisoner. And he did this on the Jewish Passover. As Matthew writes in Matthew 27 and 15, 
Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowds. So Pilate thought the choice between Jesus and a murderer, the crowd would pick Jesus. Turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 15, verses 6 through 10. Now at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. The man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the insurrection. The crowd went up and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. Clearly, Pilate was making a ploy here, saying, Wait a minute. I remember I do this custom, and I'll give them a choice. A choice between the king of the Jews or a very guilty murderer person who had been involved in an insurrection. Pilate thinking that the crowd would take Jesus over Barabbas. Let's look at this from Barabbas' viewpoint if we can. Now, the prison that Barabbas was being held in, according to what I can find, was about 500 yards from Pilate's palace in Jerusalem. Now, at 500 yards, it's kind of unlikely that Barabbas would actually be hearing the words of Pilate as he spoke. But he could probably clearly hear the cries of the crowds, just as we hear if we pass a stadium with a sporting event or something, we hear the crowds. We don't actually maybe hear the referee. So Pilate asked the crowd who he should release. The crowd cries out Barabbas, as in Matthew 27, 21. So Barabbas hears his name. That would cause one to pay a little attention. Pilate then asked, well, what about Jesus? And they cried, let him be crucified, let him be crucified. His blood be on us and our children, Matthew 27, 22, 23, and 25, right? So Barabbas hears his name by the crowd, and then hears the crowd say, let him be crucified. He must have been breaking out in a cold sweat right at that moment. For all we know, he might have been a witness to a crucifixion before, and he knew what was coming. And so, perhaps in his mind, he's thinking, they're telling Pilate to crucify me. In the next few minutes, I would assume he must have considered his fate, knowing full well that he was guilty and deserved to die, but just as any other human being. He didn't desire to die. And then he probably hears the door open and the footsteps of the soldiers who came for him, right? And they released him instead. Perhaps curious, he soon discovers that Jesus was crucified in his place. What gratitude he must have felt when he learned that information. 
Gratitude is a major factor in our worship that we offer to God, or at least it should be. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 50 and 14, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. How do we develop gratitude? The first thing I think we should do is count our blessings. That was kind of the whole purpose of the Jewish Feast of Weeks. It was to remember their salvation. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I, myself in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Romans 7, 23 and 25. Paul reflects on something that we all should keep in mind. Who's going to rescue us? from this death that's caused by sin. God. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is like having someone save our soul by giving us a spiritual CPR. Now, a while back, not too long ago, if you were watching Monday Night Football, you seen a very tragic event played out. DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills made a seemingly routine tackle. He stood up and within seconds fell right down. And we're told that he was administered CPR numerous times. And because of the quick reaction of the medical staff and their ability to administer that CPR, today, Damar Hamlin is alive and he's healthy. In fact, I understand he's making a run to come back and play professional football again. How often do you think he gives thanks for those people that administered that CPR? It's much the same for us spiritually. God has given us a spiritual CPR, and we need to remember that. I think we should also never forget the benefits of being God's. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion? Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Psalms 103, verses 1-5 through we should never forget his benefits. 
we should not be like the chief cupbearer in the story of Joseph. Genesis 40, 12, and 14, we pick up the story. This is what it means, Joseph said to him, the chief cupbearer. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, Remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Later in verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Or we shouldn't be like the nine lepers. Jesus was approached by ten lepers and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Luke chapter 17, verses 13 through 18. We should not be like the nine lepers, and when we receive a blessing or a benefit of God, not to give thanks for it. We are instead, as this story points out, to imitate the Samaritan, the foreigner. We also need to realize that ingratitude, the opposite of being grateful, is selfish. It's not loving God at all. Paul gave some great advice to the young preacher in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2-5. through 5. He said, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. The only way to really be ungrateful is to only think of yourself. On the contrary, we are to be humble, knowing who you really are. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, 
I thank you that I am not like the other people. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 18, 9-14 Humility causes us to be grateful. How do we express gratitude? We could do it in prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, Colossians 4 and 2. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4 and 6. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. 1 Timothy 2 and 1. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Hebrews 13 and 15. Listen, there's no way you or I could ever repay the favor of God. And so our attitude should be of continuous thanks. We can express our gratitude in songs. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Ephesians five nineteen and 20. Praise should pour from our lips. Hallelujah chorus should be heard. Praise the Lord in all those things as we offer song to our God. We can express gratitude in our service. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Colossians 3 and 17. And we can see that Paul lived by his own words if you look at 1 Timothy 1 and 12. We can express gratitude when we partake of the Lord's Supper. As Paul reminded the church at Corinth, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Proclaim the Lord's death. That was the exact purpose of Passover. 
Passover was to be a reminder to the Israelites of how God saved them from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. Exodus chapter 13. And Jesus was in Jerusalem to partake of the Passover meal to remind himself and everyone else that God saves and use that exact same meal for us today. We take the unleavened bread to remember the body of himself that was given up that day on the cross. And we partake of the fruit of the vine to remember the blood, his precious blood, that washes away our sins and allows us to be saved. We need to express gratitude every time we take the Lord's Supper. Now, the Bible is full of many, many examples of people having gratitude for our learning. Think about Noah in Genesis chapter 8. Or Miriam in Exodus chapter 15. Or Daniel expressing gratitude in Daniel 2. Or Anna in Luke chapter 2. The question is, how grateful are you? See, we are Barabbas. We are sin. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. And why not say, as we are slanderously reported as some claim that we say, let us do evil that good may come. Their condemnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Jump down to verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are part of the all. We are part of the not one. We have sinned. And as such, we as sinners are deserving of the punishment that comes with sin. 
Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus died in our place, just as he did for Barabbas. And we must take that seriously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. 1 Peter 2 and 24. We need to take that very, very seriously. As I'm sure Barabbas might have after he realized what happened. How many times do you think Barabbas thought about that time where he came so close to death and was saved? by this man named Jesus. How often do you? Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about. 